the Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life. Eight of the top ten Irish companies choose to do business with us. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. This week our focus is on the travails of Ryanair and its thousands of cancelled flights and the National Ploughing Championships in County Offaly. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes and it's also available on our website irishtimes.com forward slash business. And this is also a good moment for me to tell you that on October 3rd we'll be producing a show in front of a live studio audience at the Witness History Centre in the GPO. I'll be joined by a panel of experts to talk about the future of retail in the digital age. Tickets are available for Irish Times digital subscribers only. But if you're not an Irish Times subscriber, you can still email us at businesspodcast at irishtimes.com for a chance to pick up a few free tickets. That's businesspodcast at irishtimes.com. And for more information about the event, you can go to the Business Podcast homepage at irishtimes.com. Now, later in the show, you'll hear from Irish Times Business Affairs correspondent Mark Paul, who travelled to Tullamore this week to soak up the atmosphere at the National Ploughing Championships. Mark got the views of farmers on whether the economic recovery has reached rural Ireland and how they're going to future-proof their businesses. But we're going to start now with Ryanair. Last Friday, the Irish airline took the markets by surprise by announcing that up to 50 flights a day would be cancelled over the six-week period. However, it failed to produce a list of the affected services, resulting in a lot of anger and confusion among those who had booked flights for this period. Covering the story for the Irish Times were Conor Pope and Barry O'Halloran, and I'm joined in studio by both. But first, let's listen to Michael O'Leary, the Ryanair chief executive, who on Monday held a press conference in Dublin to apologise for the mess the airline had made of these cancellations. Let's hear what he had to say. I want to, uh, on behalf of everybody in Ryanair and on my own behalf, apologise. Firstly, to the uh, 400,000 customers who will be affected by these cancellations over the next six weeks. I also want to apologise, though, to the 18 or 20 million customers over the next six weeks who were unnecessarily worried over the weekend and have been worried, oh Jesus, will my flight be cancelled? Would you agree this is the biggest cock-up in your 25 years at the helm of Ryanair? No. And would you also agree I have made many bigger cock-ups in the last... Tra- I have a litany of big cock-ups in Ryanair over the last 25 years. But to be fair, you keep saying 2%. That's yep. 350,000 people. That's true. And do you think that if this had happened to the Dublin Airport Authority or to air traffic controllers in France, and they had messed up, to use your own words, to that, ex- to that extent, would you be calling for heads to roll? Uh, yes. Conor Pope, that was you asking those searching questions. It there. was do, indeed. Do you think any heads will roll at Ryanair as a result of this mess? Do you know, I wouldn't want to speculate as to what goes on in Ryanair because it is a bit like the Freemasons. It's a very secretive organisation and nobody can really say for sure. I would, however, say that uh, Michael O'Leary was absolutely raging by what had happened over, over the last few days because this, to say the process was incredibly shambolic would be the understatement mm. of the year. Because well, it, let's, let's go back over the process, precisely what happened. Okay, Take well, us back to last Friday. Well, last Friday, customers of Ryanair who were due to fly out on Friday, Saturday and Sunday started getting emails from Ryanair saying that their flights had been cancelled. Some of those people were given a matter of a few hours notice. Um, And it then became clear or it started to become clear that the reasons for the cancellations were because Ryanair didn't have enough crews to fly all the planes that they needed across Europe. Although they initially said it was to do with punctuality. Well, initially what they said was that the punctuality had fallen to unacceptable levels. And and, and O'Leary did clarify this on Monday. He said that they normally operate at a punctuality level of around 90%, which is good, it has to be said. And it had fallen below 70% and was heading closer to 60%. And they said, and what what O'Leary said on Monday, and this was very astute, he he said effectively they were acting in the greater good. What they wanted to do was, if they cancelled 2% 2% of flights, then they would stop 45% of their passengers suffering delays in the weeks ahead. And that was their rationale. Now, that 
would ring pretty hollow for the hundreds of thousands of people mm. who had their Probably lives. And 350,000 well, actually, people they, affected they've issued an update today and they said that there's 309,000 people have been affected. So, uh, and that's a, that's a significant number of people. And it's all well and good for Ryanair to say, oh no, we'll reaccommodate them, we'll put them on other flights. But a lot of these people, it's, it's not like cancelling a taxi. It's not like cancelling uh, a, a bus being, being taken off the roads. An awful lot of people spend huge amounts of money planning and booking holidays in, van- in advance or, you know, organising family occasions or job interviews or whatever might be overseas and they depend on air, on, on airlines to get them from A to B. And when that airline fails, it can throw lives into disarray. And that's effectively what happened because we would have been getting an awful lot of complaints from Ryanair customers on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday and today about the impact of these cancellations on their lives. Um, and O'Leary was very careful to say, oh no, it's only 2% of people, it's, it's a small number of our flights. But the bottom line is, as he did say in that press conference, uh, up to 20 million people mm. were had, had a huge cloud of uncertainty cast over their plans because on Friday... The airline said they were going to be cancelling 50 or 60 flights a day, but they didn't give anybody any idea as to what those flights would be. So Why? People, people had to suddenly start playing Ryanair roulette because you didn't know if your flight was going to be cancelled. And this is the baffling thing because Ryanair is a very slick machine, very slick. And normally when it comes to dealing with PR, they're very bullish and they're very on top of things. But on Friday, Saturday and Sunday, they were all over the shop. They didn't issue clear instructions to their passengers they didn't give clear indications as to what flights would be cancelled and on Sunday they were telling people okay we're only going to give you the information up until Wednesday of this week which meant nobody uh, knew if their flights beyond Wednesday were going to be cancelled and that was in a word, unacceptable. And I think the airline did uh, accept that eventually on Monday and they have moved some distance to, to resolving the problem. Having said that There are still hundreds of thousands of people who've had their flights cancelled and who have either had to make alternative arrangements, they've either had to push their holidays forward or back or go on to different flights. Uh, They issued uh, updated figures on on Wednesday afternoon, just a couple of minutes ago. They say that by the close of business today, they'll have reaccommodated 175,000 of the customers on Ryanair flights. That's 55% of the affected customers. By close of business today, more than 63,000 flight refunds will have been processed. That's over 20% of the, of the customers. And they reckon by the end of the week, 95% of the customers will be, will be sorted out. Now, I use the word sorted out advisedly because I'm not sure a refund of a Ryanair flight would be much use to Which people. Which might have only cost you 30, 40, 50 quid. You might have paid 40 or 50 quid to go to Lisbon for your holidays. And you might have to pay hundreds to get home. Exactly. So what, what's the point of getting the 40 or 50 quid Just back? Just talk us through the compensation element here. I mean, what do EU regulations stipulate? Well, this is, this is an interesting thing because in the past, Ryanair has been very tough when it comes to dealing with compensation for people. But under EU Flight Directive 261, consumers have very clear rights when it comes to uh, flight cancellations. They're entitled to be put on the next flight and are they're entitled to refund as you can imagine but if the flights are if they've been given less than two weeks notice they are entitled to a cash refund uh, how much and that's 250 euros up to 3000 if the distance is up to 1500 kilometers and if it's over 1500 kilometers and within the EU the the compensation rises to 400 euros per leg of a a flight so if you were going to but the annoying thing here is because I was going to give an example let's say if you're going to Barcelona today and you're coming back on Sunday but the flight today is cancelled. So you decide, OK, well, it's not m- worth my while going to Barcelona now because my trip is ruined. You'll get the refund, you'll get the compensation for the outward leg, but you won't get anything for the return leg because you've chosen not to take that flight. And so Barcelona will be 250 or 400? 250. 
Um, and, uh, you know, uh, there was a lot of speculation on Monday and Sunday about as to what re- what routes they were cancelling and why they were cancelling them, with some people saying, oh, they're cancelling the shorter routes because they'll have to pay out less in compensation. But that isn't actually what they were doing. They were basically concentrating all of the cancellations, at least that's what they are doing now, on the big hubs, Barcelona, Stansted, Where they might have some alternatives for where, people. Well, yeah, and absolutely. And that, 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 that was the plan. And, you know, I suppose on the plus side, you can say that by the end of the week, for most people, they at least won't be stranded somewhere and they, they might mm. have the money back, but it really is still a shambles. Yeah, sure. Barry Halloran, uh, lots of theories, conspiracy theories and otherwise uh, going around the place as to why Ryanair had to cancel these flights. We've heard the Ryanair side of it, but others saying that it's actually to do with, I mean, Ryanair said it's a pilot rostering issue and it's to do with uh, the leave and the way leave is calculated now under new rules implemented uh, by the EU and the Irish Aviation Authority. But others are saying, well, actually, do you know what? It's, it's a bit more uh, fundamental than that. It's because a lot of their pilots have been poached by Norwegian, which, as we know, has been uh, launching long haul flights out of Ireland. Yeah, well, uh, th- this was one of the th- this was kind of one of the early explanations that surfaced, and some reports suggested that about 140 Ryanair pilots have left and joined Norwegian over the last year. Uh, Ryanair themselves say it's probably fewer than a hundred. Um, they also say that yes, of course, there's turnover uh, amongst our pilots. We have 4,200 overall. Um, but only around 5% of them leave uh, in any given year. That would be normal. So that's their kind of their normal attrition rate, as it were. But there are, you know, as ever, there are a few wrinkles within mm. that. Um, they are actually um, seeking to recruit first officers. The, uh, these are a grade that are sort of capable of being promoted to captain, to the rank of captain, um, over the next couple of months. And they are offering them a joining bonus they are saying that's... 10,000 euros? 10,000 euros, yeah. They, they are saying that that's specifically to do with the fact that they didn't recruit large numbers of these, this grade of pilot during a period of years when they weren't buying in new planes and therefore didn't have planes for these people to fly. But I mean, I, I think still think that that indicates that, yes, there is a shortage of um, staff with the necessary skills out there in the market. Whether it's to do with, you know, Ryanair's own plane buying policies or plane buying patterns or not, clearly airlines... There are a number of airlines in Europe and in the and uh, in in the Gulf expanding, as we all know. They are creating more opportunities for pilots. It's not easy to train an airline pilot. You don't just want anyone behind the wheel in a cockpit. Um, and I would say that their services are at something of a premium. And my own gut on this is that Ryanair, along with probably a few others, is definitely feeling a pinch in some way. Mm. Um, now, there was also talk that the pilots might be angling uh, for industrial action, but... It seems unlikely, doesn't it? I mean, given that they're they're offering this bonus, and also given that they're offering to buy back leave. Yeah. Well, yes. That, twelve thousand euro. Twelve thousand euro to give up a week or so of your leave. I'm not quite sure the mechanics of it. But and of all of the companies to take on an industrial dispute, Ryanair is probably the last one you'd want to take on because they're so anti-union and they faced down unions in the past. Yeah, they are. And uh, like, if you stand back and look at this. Um, the pilots are, for want of a better phrase, very much in the driving seat here. I think we've we've pretty much established that these are people whose skills are at a premium in Europe right now. Um, the airline, as we've just pointed out, is offering them bonuses for doing various things. I think if even even if you were a died in the wool trade unionist, um, you'd be saying now is not the time to go on strike. Now is the time to press home my advantage. Um, and so, no, I, I'm pretty yeah. sceptical. And Barry, there's also this sort of theory that uh, Ryanair is simply being grown too fast. What they're going to do about 130 million or so passengers uh, this year. I mean, the growth has been phenomenal in recent years. Uh, uh, what's your view on that? 
Well, I mean, if you take Ryanair from kind of the early 90s, I mean, at one point, you know, and even into this, even into this century, at one point it was growing at, at kind of 20% a year. It, you know, it was pretty phenomenal, as you pointed that's out. That's not sustainable. And No, that's not sustainable. But its growth rates are actually a, a deal lower than that now. And in fact, around the time of this, um, and they'll probably regret this phrase forever now, always getting better program, gr- growth had, was down at around 5 or 6%. It's at more like kind of ten percentish now, um, yeah. I mean, look, every, everybody runs out of road sometime. I, up to now, Ryanair has always managed to been able to absorb the growth to have the people to fly the planes, to man the planes, and it's managed that side of it uh, very well. I wouldn't necessarily take, you know, and this I'm not by any means playing down the significance of this, but I wouldn't take this disaster and all as it has been as an indication of 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 things to come just yet. I would I would wait to see further evidence before I'd say, it. well, look, Ryanair has just gotten mm. too big for itself. Connor, I suppose a sea tail or two might help uh, repair some of the damage that's been caused to Ryanair's reputation over the past number of days. Do you know what it will? And I think the general public will be very forgiving of Ryanair if they do bring out some kind of sea tail. Because the bottom line here is the bottom line talks, money talks. If Ryanair for for good or ill, and like you know, a lot of people would be critical of Ryanair, but Ryanair have done have done the travelling public across mm. Europe a huge service over the last twenty years. Now they were helped by the open skies deregulation of the aviation sector, so it wasn't like Ryanair was acting on in isolation here. But the bottom line is, as as O'Leary pointed out at his press conference, if you choose to fly other airlines, you will probably pay more and you will probably face more delays. And that is the truth. So ultimately what people want to do is get from A to B. Now the interesting thing here for Ryanair is, I think it's the first time that their mask has slipped in that regard. Because whatever about the criticisms people have had about Ryanair in the past, about grumpy staff and a miserable flying experience and the manner in which the the hawkers in the cabin crew sell the scratch cards like... Uh, the bugle uh, <laughs> as, you, as you come into land. The, the little on-time bugle. All of those things that were minor irritants. The one thing that you could, generally speaking, be pretty sure of was if you played by Ryanair's rules, they would get you from A to B on time and with minimum fuss. This weekend or last weekend, that kind of fell apart. And that, if that's the only real thing that Reiner has going for it, it needs to protect it on every single level because it can't afford to risk that. Yeah. Barry, has been a substantial hit to the share price uh, as well, hasn't it, over the last number of days? Market value is down. Um, what about uh, investor appetite for Ryanair going forward? Any sense of that? Okay, well, it just just the, the share price did recover a bit yesterday, but I noticed at about 14.30 today, it was down. It had given up pretty much what it had gained yesterday. Uh, investor appetite going forward. I don't see it being massively impacted by this unless uh, next month when they come out with their uh, their interim results that they, they give some indication that the damage has been worse mm. than they thought. What's the financial hit from, from this mess? Uh, a, a kind, there's a kind of an upfront cost of around 25 million. Michael O'Leary is saying it won't be more than that. They won't have a final figure until those results are published. It's, which is, it's coming out uh, on the 31st of October. What about the forward I mean, booking side? It must, it must surely impact forward books. People must be saying at the minute, oh, I'm not taking a Ryanair flight. I'm just not going to take the chance in a Ryanair flight at the minute. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people will be thinking twice. Um, and you'd have to think twice. I would, on Monday, he said, Michael O'Leary said, well, their forward bookings were 2% ahead. But, you know, 2% ahead of, uh, I th- and that's 2% ahead of the same period last year but he didn't say at what point that was I mean was mm. that you know, and of course we don't know what this? their target was their target might have been to be 4% ahead yeah, Who knows? We, we don't really know and they, they, they don't they, they don't tell you that they tell you what the they tell you what the, the actual figure is they don't tell you what they, they had hoped it would be he said that they weren't changing their profit guidance at this point 
Um, but, you know, Ryanair has sort of changed its profit guidance at various points through its financial year uh, in recent years on the back of various things, anything yeah. from... Air, and they've had profit warnings choices. in recent yeah. years as well, and they've managed to weather the storm. Um, Connor, do you think, I mean, what would your advice be to people who have uh, booked flights over the, the next uh, six weeks with Ryanair? Ah, listen, if your flight hasn't been cancelled, I think, you know, just you do what, what you're always going to do. Uh, I think I think they'll get through this. I don't think it'll make a blind bit of difference to the travelling public in the weeks, months and years ahead. All right, we'll leave it there. Barry Hallam, Connor Pope, thank you. We'll take a short break now. When we return, Mark Paul will join me in studio to discuss his trip to the National Plowing Championships in Tullamore. Back in a few moments. Only 29% of us know how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to irishlifeempower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life June 2015. Welcome back. This is Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes and it's also available on our website irishtimes.com forward slash podcast. Now for this part of the show I'm joined in studio by Mark Paul, Business Affairs Correspondent of the Irish Times. On Tuesday Mark travelled to Tullamore to soak up the atmosphere at the National Ploughing Championships and to get the views of farmers on whether the economic recovery is reaching into rural Ireland. Here's a little sample of the sounds and beats from his day. Of all these cows, only these need your attention. Everything's inside for the all cows. All the spinners are firing out. The big sound is inside, boys. Five to spin. This is the big sound inside. Come on. Here we go. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. That's Seamus Trent, under 40s horse plowing. You have to turn the sad over without taking too much, without making too much of a sad. And you can't show any grass, and you have to have it as straight, gun barrel straight as you can. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Number 247 is in heat. This is the breeding advice. Insemination at 11 a.m. She'll be in separation area B. Okay, Mark, it sounds, it sounds like you had a very interesting and very diverse day. And I want to know if you went to separation area B uh, for that insemination. <laughs> no, I skipped that part, Carol, thankfully. <laughs> right, okay. Listen, tell us a, a little bit about the National Plowing Championships. I've never been. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have never been either, but we've heard all about it uh, from RT news bulletins and uh, reading about it in the newspapers and so on. It sounds like a big rural extravaganza. It, it is. I mean, it's absolutely enormous. You've got um, 1,700 exhibitors, um, over 700 acres. Um, on a day I was there on Tuesday, there there was about about 115, 120,000 people there that day. That's you know more than three times bigger than Electric Picnic on that day. Well, it's interesting because the Dublin Horse Show, which runs over five days, and it's a big event, let's face it. It's not mm. just about the horses, but also about exhibitions and so forth. And they get about 100,000 over the course of five days. Mm-hmm. So just in this one day that you were there, they had more than that at the National Plan. They had 120,000 people, yeah. But 115,000, I think, I think it was called for Tuesday. Um, I mean, they have an enormous traffic management plan. I mean, once you turn off the M6 and head down to towards Tullamore. It's on a site in a place called Screggan, which is a couple of miles um, um, south of Tullamore. Um, and, and they have one-way systems through all the country lanes um, 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 and enormous traffic. Because as you can imagine, that part of the country doesn't have huge public transport links. So most of the people going to the Plowing Championships drove there um, and they all have to have parking um, um, and, and you know you're talking about uh, a site that the other eleven months of the year is is is, is a is, is a farm is a, is is just a big a big rural site, and um, so it, it, it's a huge event. 
Um, um, and 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 there was sort of something for everybody at it. There was the usual, um, you know, catering and, and and entertainment. But more than anything, really, it was it's 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 a massive trade show. Um, farm machinery, presumably. Farm everything, absolutely everything that you can imagine, Karen, from 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 consumer products right up to farm machinery. Um, I mean, you, you know, look, look, primary agriculture is is one of the biggest parts of the economy. It's uh, it's about seven billion euros a year. Uh, primary agriculture and um, the overall uh, agri food sector is is, is about one twelfth of the economy. So as you would expect, um, 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 uh, uh, economics and, 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 and wealth management and finance were also a big part of it. Then you had another section um, with, with, with hotels and, and, and consumer goods companies. You had a livestock section. You had a, a machinery section. There was 50 million euros worth of farm machinery just parked in the middle of a field there. Um, so oh, was there much buying going on? Um, there seemed to be a lot of trading going on. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, you know, there was a uh, there was an awful lot of talking going on and an awful lot of leaning on gates and so on uh, uh, going on uh, uh, and a lot of chatting. But I think for a lot of people as well, as well as being a trade show, it's uh, the ploughing championships now is just a really, really good day out. And you did get that sort of a festival feel from it as well. Now, look, everybody was sober. Um, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a huge amount of boozing going on, bar one um, 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 a small corner of the site. Um, but it was, uh, it, it, it's a great day out. And I think, uh, you, you know, obviously it's something that, that, that a lot of people from rural parts of Ireland are much more familiar with. But, but mm. for some, I should for, say, this was your first time to attend it. You were a virgin in terms of ploughing championships. I, wa- I was indeed, yeah. It was, uh, it was my first time, but uh, it, was, uh, it was thoroughly enjoyable. Right, OK. What about the economic impact that an event like this makes to the local area? Any sense of how much it's worth? Uh, well, the, the National Ploughing Association, uh, Anna Mae McHugh, says it's worth about €35 million Euro to the local economy. So now. That's, that's big bread, obviously, that, 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 for that, an that, area. It, it, it is indeed. It is, it, it's, it's, you know, uh, uh, the, customer, or the, the attendees pay the gate um, um, and plus, you know, whatever is spent sure. uh, inside the event. And with 1,700 exhibitors, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of money coming in in, yeah. in, in exhibition. Now, cash. you mentioned uh, wealth management and you did manage to bump into a Cork stockbroker called Paul D. Why don't we have a listen to what he had to say. In Ireland, you know, there are an awful lot of people have some connection one way or the other to the farming community and, um, and, the ag- and the agri-industry, if I can put it that way. And of course, you know, when you talk about the stock market, you're talking in terms of shares like equities like Glanbia and the Kerry Group. Um, and an awful lot of people who own those type of shares are here today. But there's an awareness, you see now, once again, of the stock market as a source of wealth. So we're getting quite a lot of interest in and questions about equities, both on the Irish market and on the UK market and across the Eurozone. But also what we notice is that um, there's a small bit of trepidation regarding the, um, the fluctuations in the sterling euro exchange rate, the dollar sterling exchange rate, and of course the dollar euro rate. So people are, and, and uh, along with that, we are seeing growth and stabilization followed by growth in the Eurozone. So people are now becoming attracted to the Eurozone and, the, and, 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 and stock markets across Europe as an alternative source of potential investment. That's interesting, Mark, isn't it? I mean, Kerry Group and Glombie, he mentioned uh, there those two companies in particular. They've been two fantastic success stories really over the years uh, when you think about it, particularly in stock market terms. And both of them have delivered real value to their shareholders who are mostly farmers. Yeah, who are mostly farmers. And, and, and I suppose there would be a, a, a culture in, in farming um, um, of of investing in publicly listed companies. I mean, you mentioned Glan B, you mentioned Kerry Group. FBD would be another. FBD is another one. Um, th- w- what I was really trying to get out of Paul D was was to ask him: Was there 
a renewed appetite now with the recovery upon us was there now a renewed appetite amongst um, people within the farming and agricultural communities um, to invest to invest their wealth I mean there was you know he, he works for a, a stockbroker uh, outfit called uh, Redmayne Bentley but there was also I mean I mean Merrion Private were there um, all, all the big stockbroking firms of course were there and, uh, and, and, and all the banks were there as well And are the, the, in terms of the farming community are we talking about people who are asset rich rather than cash rich or a bit of both? Maybe a little bit of both. Um, and there was a steady stream of people up to up to Paul Lee's counter, um, and for the time I was observing it at least, um, up and they were inquiring about equities. As he said himself, they were asking him about um, um, what shares to invest in across Europe, what shares to invest in in Ireland, what sort of um, portfolio type products did they have. Um, there seemed to be a huge interest in investment and, and, and maybe that's a demonstration of, of a renewed sense of confidence and, and, and uh, 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 confidence mm-hmm. about, the, about their financial future. Any really. sense of how much people are investing on average or what kind of risk appetite there is out there? Well, look, I mean, I mean, anybody who's investing in equities has to have some sort of an appetite for risk. I mean, that's, a, you know, that's, that's a sort of a basic rule of thumb with it. I would imagine that that farmer's appetite for risk is, uh, is, is as much the same as anybody else's when it comes yeah. to investing. Now, I mentioned in the intro that you were also sort of testing the waters to see if this economic recovery that Ireland has undergone over the past few years, whether it is actually reaching into rural Ireland or if it's mostly a, a greater Dublin phenomenon, and also, you were also asking people as well about the impact of technology on the whole agri-sector. And you spoke in particular to a Limerick farmer called Martin Stapleton, who is chair of the IFA's Farm Business Committee. Why don't we have a listen to what Martin had to say? I think it's sector specific. I think dairy farming especially, we are, we're on um, a year where we have seen a very, very significant increase in, in the commodity price of milk. Um, we have the pig sector again as flying as it's another uh, very te- um, technologically advanced sector or advancing sector. So those sectors, poultry again is another one, those sectors are looking at opportunities to invest, um, to make their systems more f- efficient, to, to future-proof them, because bear in mind we have to compete with our, our, our sectors, we have to compete with foreign food producers as well. So yeah, there's there's a... There's a desire there to make sure that Irish agriculture is every bit as modern and as uh, technologically smart as everywhere else in the world. There are sectors that are struggling, and you know I, I can think the tillage sector specifically is on its third or fourth really difficult year. Um, the beef sector, really low margin business, which doesn't quite often leave any margin or room for reinvestment, is also struggling. And you know you ask about worry. There's worry across all businesses posed by by, by Brexit. Uh, I think that the worry is compounded, especially in the beef and uh, the tillage sector, because of the fact that there isn't margin to invest and to try to future-proof the businesses. Mark, how big a concern is Brexit for the agri-sector? Well, I mean, Brexit and, and uh, in terms of trading with the North um, was was one of the big talking points down there. I mean, I was at the um, the AIB section and they had these things called shed talks where they had, um, you know, little panel discussions. Um, and every single panel discussion always seemed to, 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 to eventually come to Brexit. It's a huge concern for farming. Um, but... Um, 
I think what struck me about the entire event, leaving aside the Brexit issue for a moment, was just was the real focus on technology and innovation and robotics and artificial intelligence. And that was something that, that really did um, um, and really did stand mm. out. Tell us about that. How is it manifesting itself in the farm environment? Well, to, to give you one example, um, it's, it's a push towards automation, I think, and, 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 and cost reduction and efficiency. And, and I guess that comes from the Irish farming industry being exposed to international competition. To give you a, a, one example, there was a, a company called Lely and they had this um, um, system called the Lely Astronaut, which is a, a, a robotic milking system. And um, what they had was uh, down down at, in, at the ploughing championships, they had a, 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 an area, I suppose it was, I don't know, it was a quarter of an acre. It was a, it was quite a large um, um, section they had. And in that section, they had maybe 30 or 40 cows sitting around. And every so often, one of these cows would get up and stroll up to the corner of the room where the Lely Astronaut's at. And that's a, it's an automatic robotic system. The, the cow walks in there, gets some feed, a little arm comes underneath, and um, Brushes come out, stimulate the cow's teats, and then it's milked. And um, they measure the temperature of the milk. They measure, they see if the cow has mastitis. They uh, they, they they separate the milk. Um, um, steam cleaners come out and clean everything, make sure it's all clean. It collects data. The cow is wearing like a little, it looks like a little bell around the neck. Mm. A collar, but it looks like a little bell on that collar. And that collects data on the cow's temperature and its health. And that's fed into a data management system, which then goes back to the farmer's mobile phone. Um, um, the same company lately had a, robotic cleaning system for cleaning, you know, the concrete um, and floors of sheds, which you just, you press go and off it goes for the day and it cleans and the farmer doesn't have to worry about cleaning that. Um, in terms of artificial intelligence, now, I, I didn't see any driverless tractors, but there was a lot of talk down there that driverless tractors are, 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 are coming. Down They're on the, the way. They're on the way, yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe literally literally on the way. Um, um, and, and, and just there was a, a real focus on technology and innovation. There was an entire um, sector, um, and one sector called the Innovation Arena, and in there they had all sorts of crazy and mad inventions um, um, automatic feeding machines and so on um, mm. um, so d- d- I, I think what it really demonstrated was that you have an industry that um, um, is modernising and has modernised at an incredible rate and, 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 and that's as a result of being exposed to competition from other countries Now you spoke to a lot of other farmers I know some of them didn't want to go on air and that's fine but just in round terms uh, if you like is the economic recovery reaching into all corners of Ireland you know what do they have to say about that? I, I, look, I, I, I think the reaction that I got from farmers was that they seemed, um, most of the farmers I spoke to seemed pretty pleased with how things were going. I mean, and anybody that, as, as Martin Stapleton said, um, it's quite sector specific. So if you're in dairy farming, there's been a spike in milk prices this year, so you're doing all right. Um, he said pigs were flying, he said, I think, and, and, and poultry too. Um, he mentioned that there was difficulties in, 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 in tillage farming and in beef farming um, um, due to pricing uh, pressures and, and beef, so on. Obviously, the UK is a big market for beef exports. Ex- exactly, yeah. And and that's one one sector that will that will be uh, really badly hit by Brexit. Also, because if there is no trade deal following Brexit, um, meat is one of the highest. Um, when it comes to the imposition of tariffs, um, the meat industry is is uh, is one of the hardest hit there. So. Um, um, yeah. yeah, so it's going to be interesting. All right. So, look, it was your first trip to the National Ploughing Championships. Will you be going back? Uh, well, thankfully, I didn't go back on Wednesday because it was last year. I'll go back next year, provided it's dry. But I, it, it was a fantastic day, but I would imagine it would be a, a totally different experience if it was bucketing down. Yeah, all right. Well, if we're all still here, we'll have you back on the show, Mark. And um, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Connor Pope, Barry Halloran and Mark Paul. Jennifer Ryan produced the show with JJ Vernon as sound engineer. Don't forget, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today, email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care. 